Welcome to Rising Tide, a podcast for career-driven women to find inspiration, find courage, and find their voice. On today's episode, I'm joined by Tabitha Summerlin. I've been a mother all of my adult life, and I used it as my why, which was nothing more than an excuse or a crutch as to why I couldn't follow my, my damn dreams. When you always have having an excuse for everything, you're just going through life. And I wrote down this little statement, and it says, any excuse other than the truth prevents us from dealing with our own stuff. Tabitha is an IT executive, most recently working as chief information officer for Edgecombe County. She has recently stepped away to take a career sabbatical, a topic near and dear to my heart. And on this episode, we get to do things a little different. We get to learn some of the insights and reflections that she has had in her time since she stepped away as she has looked back on her life and her career. She shares with us what led to the career sabbatical and how understanding what burnout looked like helped her realize that that's exactly where she was and it was something that needed to be addressed. She shares with us the power of tribe and how surrounding herself with incredible women and others to help her on her journey has been such a key to her life and success. She also shares with us a hard truth that she had to face about being a mother her entire adult life and allowing her daughters to be her why Not because that's what she wanted, but more so as a crutch to put off pursuing her dreams. These are just some of the few things that we get into. But Tabitha is an incredible woman with a beautiful spirit, an amazing story. And it's so great to get to hear her reflections that we can all learn from as we go on our journey. Enjoy. Welcome to Rising Tide, Tabitha. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to, I'm excited to really get to know you better. You know, we've barely even gotten a chance to connect. We're fairly new connections. And so I'm very excited for today because I, I think I will get to discover many new things about you along with the listeners. Well, I really appreciate you having me. Sometimes you don't feel like a story is worth hearing, but going through this process has been a lot of self-reflection and I'm like, wow, girl. So thank you for giving me this opportunity to share my story. You bet. I mean, if that doesn't just sum up what I hope that this podcast, the purpose that it serves, that in a nutshell was it. And I always like to tell people the backstory behind how I get connected with the guests. Cause I get asked this a lot and I think This one is, I mean, I can't play favorites, but I still feel like this is one of my favorites where you had just taken a sabbatical from work. We'll get to why in a minute. You were in Atlanta visiting your daughters and you wanted to do something while you were in town to kind of stay connected. And you randomly signed up for a women in tech event at the Atlanta Tech Village. And it just happened to be the one I was speaking at. And we sat down and chatted before the talk. And it was very clear right away in meeting you that I just had to know more about you. But I mean, the craziest of crazy ways to meet somebody. I just love it so much. It was was amazing. I felt like it was divinely connected. We were divinely connected. Yes. Yes, I felt the same way. I felt the same way. It was just one of those things where it's like, okay, universe, we are... Got it. Message received. Oh, well, you know what? I'm going to kind of, we're going to start in the present. And then I think we're going to go back to the past because I just mentioned that you were taking your first ever sabbatical. And I thought this was so perfectly timed because I have seen this so frequently. I just did a podcast on it. You know, so when you told me that this is something you chose to do, it was was just like amazing. Tell me more. But I actually would love to hear from you. You know, this was, I'm sure, a very big decision. But will you tell us a little bit about maybe kind of leading up to how did you make this decision? Because taking a sabbatical is a very difficult thing to come to the decision of. Like, when did you decide to do it? What did you do to prepare yourself? Tell us a little bit about it. 
So this is the first time in 20 years that I've taken more than a week off. Wow. And I've been in technology for 20 years and work in local government. And when COVID hit in March of 2020 and the world shut down, I continued to work every day. No remote, no hybrid work, no time off. I realized that I had to work every single day and not taking any time to just reflect and deal with whatever I was, you know, dealing with emotionally. And around December of last year, I started having some inklings. I've worked all my life for everyone else. And I was feeling like the direction that we're going now, it is time for me to start focusing on talent. And I listened to Renee Brown's uh, podcast with the Nagoski twins, Amelia and Emily. And she talked about burnout. And what I realized is that's exactly what I was experiencing. And there were three components to being burnout, the emotional exhaustion, the sense of decreased sense of accomplishment and the depersonalization. And I was feeling all of those things. And I think that I was crying out at work, but it was coming out as if, oh, you're asking for a salary increase. Oh, you're asking for more staff. Oh, you're asking for all of these additional resources. And I wasn't being heard. And it was really, really hard because, like I said, I've worked all of my life. And to make this decision, meant that I had to step out into a direction that I've never been in before. So as of right now, I've been on a career sabbatical, as you call it, for about five weeks now. And I listened to your your podcast on career sabbaticals that you did on September the 15th. And I realized that I've gone through the pause phase, the pause and the reflect phase. Now I'm in the phase of adjustment. And I thought that I could just jump right into another job or a career transition. But I realized as we go back, when we go back to the past, that there's some self-work that needs to be done. And that includes, like you discussed that in Atlanta and on your podcast, that self-discovery you know, finding out what my core values are, what's non-negotiable for me, just taking an inventory of where Tabitha is right now and putting her at the top of the list instead of three or four or at the bottom. Like, I know now that I come first and that it is time for me to focus on what my accomplishments are. And and one thing that you mentioned that was so powerful when I was in Atlanta, it's not about the title, it's about the skills. Mm. and the expertise so really looking at yourself and saying hey what are my skills what are those skills that are transferable what is important to me and the next phase is going to be the reboot and I know that I haven't got it's not just jumping through this adjustment process and I appreciate you because you laid out this whole map of how to get there and I'm going to take it one day at a time. So that's where I am. And forgiving Tabitha, and she's ready to move and move forward. You know, I love hearing how you're going through this. And I wanted to come back to something that you mentioned that was, it sounds like the catalyst that really kind of hit things home when you listened to the burnout podcast and you talked about how your burnout was manifesting at work. And I thought this was really interesting how you talked about it because your emotional exhaustion and fatigue that, you know, it was kind of because you hadn't taken a day off in gosh, nearly a year during one of the most stressful times when everyone was beyond burnout, not just because of everything they were trying to cope with in their personal lives, but then all the changes that it was happening at work. But I was really interested in this of maybe talking a little bit more about dealing with when you were asking for things and when you were asking for things and then how it was kind of repeated back to you, right? Because I think this is a really interesting scenario that we find ourselves in, especially as women. And I'm sure as a woman of color, right? Where like people kind of 
filter what we say in a certain way because of how we look. But I'm very interested in, in that aspect of like, can we tell us a little bit or maybe give us a scenario of something of a time when you asked for something and it got thrown back at you that you were asking for too much or, you know, just constantly asking for things. So I think for me, communication issues is where we had so many projects that were going on at the same time. And it was always, okay, I need this. I need this. And when we would lay out a direction for us to go, when we got to the point of moving forward, the direction was changed. I have a small team and I'm very, I was very transparent with them. And oftentimes it made me feel as if my leadership was being in question and it affects the morale in your department. And it's not just the the morale in the department, but when you talk about depersonalization and the definition of depersonalization is the depletion of empathy, caring, and compassion. And all of those things start to take place. And then when you have the decreased sense of accomplishment, you know, feeling like nothing that you do makes any difference like you're trying to move forward and every time you get ready to take a step forward there was someone saying no we need to go back or no we can't go in that direction now and I I was raised to be a good steward uh, over whatever was placed in my hands whether it was people whether it was processes funds or whatever and it's sometimes it made me question whether or not I was being a good steward of everything that was placed in my hands. Yeah. And it affects your confidence. It affects mm-hmm. your ability to, like I said, confidently say, this is the next step. Without wondering if you're going to get pushback. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I thank you for elaborating on that because I don't believe that is a unique experience. Just speaking from my personal experience working in the corporate world during this time, I, when you said that, I know it hit a nerve for me. And so I just wanted you to elaborate on it because I think to a certain extent, was there anything that you found helped you cope with it? Or was it, you know, getting to the point where it was like, this is, you know, I think when we talked like, this is just a, this is no longer a tough environment. This is toxic. And this isn't a Tabitha problem. This is this is a no longer a right fit problem. Like, it, it, was there anything that made it better in the moment, or was it truly just getting to that place of acceptance that like it was time to to move on, but that there wasn't anything, there wasn't necessarily anything you would need to do or could do better in this situation? I honestly didn't think that there was anything that I could do better. They say that sometimes you have to leave good enough alone, and. I had reached a point where I felt as if if I did not make the decision and disconnect when I did, that it could have turned into a different direction. I'm a very strategic person. I had a, a clear vision and a mission for the department. There were some holes in the mission that needed strategic planning and vision from globally to make sure that we were meeting the needs of the organization that that vision was just unclear and it's hard to move forward when you're not sure if the direction that you're moving in is the right one right I wasn't sure if if I was bringing some of those personal issues that I was dealing with all of the frustration, all of the exhaustion, the things will start to have an effect on my decisions. But at any rate, I when I left, I felt as if I had left them in a better situation than what I found. I felt very strongly about that. And it took a minute after I left to, to not go back. It took a minute because there was one thing that you mentioned on your podcast. If it's reactive, then it's where you've been disconnected from the organization. But when it's proactive, your 
you know, after that first week, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm on vacation. And the second week, I was like, what's up? <laughs> and by the third week, I was like nail biting. I had no sleep. And my girls are, are part of my tribe. And, they, and they're my biggest cheerleaders. And they were like, mom, you've done an amazing job for them. And it's okay. It's okay. Come down and spend some time with us. It's okay. I had to stop being afraid of um, what could go wrong and be excited about what could go right. Yes. Um, and yes. to step out. I just leaped. I just felt as if I was standing at the edge of the cliff. And on June the 10th, I, I leaped and said, it's time. And I didn't look back. Oh my gosh. I just, that's, I mean, that's awesome. And you mentioned something just now that I think is really good that we should chat about is your tribe. And I know that this is something you have shared with me that has been a really important role in your life as far as having this sense of community and tribe that has really supported you. And in this case, you know, it was your daughters that really kind of were that voice of probably reason, but also that uplifting voice that you needed to hear to kind of get out of your own headspace. But would love to hear more about, you know, I guess maybe when you speak of tribe, what what does that mean to you? My tribe, they light me up. Um, we have the same morals and values. They motivate me to do and be better. I think that the members of my tribe have changed over the years because some friendships happen for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. Yeah. And so at different points of my life, my tribe members have, have changed. And there are a few who have remained constant through the good and the bad. And they've never judged me for being me. And that's important. That's a non, I realize that that's a non-negotiable, that in order for you to be part of my tribe, there's no judgment on being a for being a mm-hmm. I love that. And I love how you talk about people can come and go. And I think that's a really important thing of like, you know, that there are people are there for a reason, a season or a lifetime. And that that's, that's okay. Right. Sometimes people are just there for a moment in time to serve a purpose and then they move on and others are with you, but that this idea of a tribe is fluid. Now I'm curious, cause you said one of the kind of the rules, and I love this because I think that's a really good thing of like setting the expectations of like how, teaching people how to treat you. Right. Exactly. And you talked about, you know, that part of being the tribe meant never judging you for being you. Was that something you would explicitly communicate? Was that just something that was kind of an unspoken of if you felt that from someone, you kind of just let the relationship naturally atrophy. How did you do For that? Me, it, um, it evolves. As a very young child, I experienced some some trauma that I had a distorted view of what that tribe meant, and I placed enough judgment on myself growing up. And early on into my adult years, where I just realized that mm. if you're going to be part of my life going forward, then I can't judge you. You can't judge me. And it has naturally progressed with the people in my tribe. And it, it's about finding those people that share those same rules and values that you have. And when you find those persons, it's an unspoken you don't have to say this is what the application is to being part of my tribe. You know? right. It's just like being a kindred soul. You, you just click. And then when when people no longer feel that way or when it's time for them to move on into another to another season, there's a weaning process. I mean, it's never just a cutting off. It's right. you are giving a chance for your heart to disconnect. From that person and it opens the door for the next person or the next entry into your tribe and it's not so hard on them and it's not so hard on you you don't feel like you had to cut somebody off to make room in your heart for someone else that is really beautiful and I 
I love how you think about kind of the transition. And I also love that, that in some ways it's very similar to how you were describing your sabbatical, which is sometimes you have to let something go to make room for something else. Right. And so in this case, we're talking about your tribe, but in like, in lovingly letting something go. But I, I think that's so beautiful. I want to go back to something you said, because I'm very intrigued by it. You mentioned your trauma as a child and that you had a distorted view of what tribe was like. I'm curious that there's kind of, kind of like a twofold question of what was your view of tribe because of that? And then what changed it? How, like what, what allowed you to kind of flip to where you are today and how you view tribe? So as a, a child, I grew up and very depressed. There's a little library in Elm City, North Carolina, and it was my saving grace. It was a small mm. library. And my tribe were the books, the characters mm. in the books, the, the lives that they led in the books. So when I talk about a distorted view of reality, it didn't have anything to do with people who were walking the face of the earth with me. It was... I would get immersed in a book and that became my entire world. And as you grow and become a teenager and go off to college, you realize that the fantasies that you were, that you lived in in those books, that's not real life. But what it did was it gave me a place of safety to protect myself growing up so that when the real tribe showed up, I was able to receive. Thank you for sharing that. How fascinating, you know, the books. And I think, again, for a lot of people, right, that is absolutely kind of a safe, it's like a warm blanket, right? You can kind of immerse yourself in another world. And and so that that makes a lot of sense when you talked about kind of what you consider to be your tribe. And, and then when you went to school and kind of redefining that and recreating it, I just, that's that's incredibly helpful. And again, I think it's something that, so many listening will will very much relate to. Okay. Well, let's let's cuz since you mentioned school, let's talk about that for a minute because this was so fascinating to me when we met and I was so intrigued because when you went to college, you picked computer and information science as your degree. And I'm always really fascinated by this because you were quite ahead of your time. That was not a degree that a lot of women were pursuing at the time. And so I'm really, you know, I'd love to hear what drove that for you. How did you decide that that was an area that you were interested in? I graduated from Elizabeth City State University, which is on the coast of North Carolina. Um, It has a Coast Guard base located there, beautiful waterfront town. I actually went to Elizabeth City with the goal of becoming a doctor. So I was a biology pre-med major. And by the time I got to, by the time chemistry came along, I realized that this was not the field for me. <laughs> and this was the, the 90s. So it was the World Wide Web was just starting up because we were still communicating with my, my brother and my godbrother, they were in the Navy. So we were still chatting with them through uh, Google chat box. Mm-hmm. That's what, the, that's what the, the, the World Wide World was. Before it became the internet, it was being used for the military only. So I was an aviation minor at Elizabeth City. And so I had access to this little communication tool. And I was like, okay, there's got to be more to this. So I, at the beginning of my junior year, I changed my field and went into computer information science. For me, at that point, um, being at an HBCU, there were other women and people of color who were in that same degree field. So it was real oddly strange when I graduated that I didn't see a lot of us. Where you're on a campus, everybody looks like you. You think that everybody is doing it until you get out and you you pin your first IT conference and you can count the number of 
people of color on one hand, and you're like, where is everybody? Right. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. So, I mean, I guess how fortunate that you had picked a school where one, you had exposure to, you know, both with your family being in the Navy, but then you kind of got to have exposure to this new world that was emerging and this new technology that was emerging. And then you also had access to people who looked like you that were also doing these things. So, yeah, I mean, I, how great, but then yeah, tell us about that because I would imagine what the moment you walk out of there, because I, again, I, (laughs) I know that feeling of walking into a room and you realize very fast, nobody looks like you. That could be a very daunting feeling and it can bring up all kinds of things. So is there a memory that comes to mind of like the first time that you kind of realize that, oh, what I had at Elizabeth City was, is maybe different than what is out in the world around me? Immediately, um, no, um, because I became a mother my senior year in college. So my career kind of took a back seat at that point. Mm. to be for family but I also found out that even in my search for a job in my career field it was it it was difficult Mm. and I knew that I would have to leave my hometown in order to pursue a career in the IT field but as a young mother it was more important for me to stay close to the family for their support. So my first job out of college was working at Staples and I was selling computers, which was a little unique because most of the people who were coming into Staples to buy computers when I graduated from college were males. And to see a female in that department selling them a computer and could tell them everything that they needed to know about it. It was a little different. I really had people come in and would ask me questions. Where did you go to school? Or where did you learn all this? And, um, because it was, I mean, for me, it was the norm at Elizabeth City, but for them, you're right. It was like a unicorn. Right. Oh my gosh. So yeah, you were defying, defying expectations. Okay. So you finished college with a newborn. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. So, I mean, that in of itself is incredible that you finished because anybody that has a newborn knows that that is a vortex where time of the world seems to turn upside down. And as a first time mother, I mean, I can only imagine trying to do that and finishing out school. I mean, that, that's just incredible. And then making the difficult decision and and probably again, the best decision at that time of being near support, prioritizing having family nearby versus putting your degree to work in the short term. So, oh my gosh. Okay. So you're selling computers at Staples. So connect the dots for me because (laughs) you're doing this and then you end up getting hired at Wilson County health department. So how did how did this end up happening? Kind of tell us this, get us, get us there and maybe give us a timeline too, so we can understand how long you were at Staples and then what took you to Wilson County. So I was at Staples for approximately two years. A friend of mine, because when I was in college, I joined the greatest sorority on the face (laughs) of the earth, Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. (laughs) And it just so happened that one of my sorority sisters who owned an insurance company in the area had come across a job opening at the health department and she recommended me for the position. And I worked at the health department for approximately four years before I continued on in local government to Edgecom National Health. And I don't think that we discussed this, but I left right after 9-11 from Edgecombe Nash. My brother was in the Navy. I remember being at work when 9-11 occurred and watching it on the news. He was on the USS George Washington. 
they had been out to sea for six months. They were on their way back into port and we received notification that his ship was being turned around out to sea and it would be another two weeks before I heard of him. And so that was a very emotional time in our family life, which made it all so more important to me to be close to family at that time. And once I left Edgecombe National Health, while I was there, I met one of the greatest people that I have ever met in my life, Hope Lynch. She is part of my tribe. And she hired me at Edgecombe National Health. Shortly after she hired me, she left and went to Nash County. And when a position came open at Nash County, she told me about it. And once again, Shortly after um, I got to Nash County, she left and went to corporate. And we've had this 20-year friendship. She works in IT um, as well. And me working in local government, her working in corporate, she has different experiences. But she has done an amazing job of finding those opportunities so that I could get the exposure that I needed to not only just expand my thinking and my viewpoint, but to stay on top of what was happening in the technological space. There's a couple of things that you hit on. And I kind of, you know, it's so interesting because when I do these, what's so fascinating is like, you know, this is an hour conversation. And we're looking in hindsight at what has happened. And, you know, it's kind of like, I've heard people describe motherhood or parenthood of like the days are long, but the weeks are short. And this has a similar feeling to it where it's like, when you're in it, you know, like I think about like those two years you were at Staples with a newborn, right? Where I'm sure there were times where you're sitting there going, oh my gosh, will I ever use my degree? Am I ever, right? Like I had these dreams in my mind of what I would become. Is that ever going to happen? You know, with your brother being in the Navy, him being gone for six months and then finally coming home and 9-11 happens, right? And it's like the world turned upside down. And it's so interesting because we can look back at these things now and it all makes sense and it all fits in. But at the time, I can only imagine that there were moments of doubt and fear. And sometimes the days were just so long. And it, at times I'm sure wasn't always easiest to get through those, get through those phases. It's almost like a, a ball just continues to roll. Mm. You don't see what's in your path. You just keep rolling. Mm. And that happens a lot when you don't take the time to do that self-reflection because you don't think about how hard it was. Like during those times, my my why was my daughter's because my, my second child was born while I was still working at Staples. And I realized that I've been a mother longer than I've been an individual. I've been a mother all of my adult life. And I used it as my why, which was nothing more than an excuse or, or a crutch as to why I couldn't follow my, my then dream. Mm. And so when you always have, have an excuse for everything, like we're talking now and we're, we're, we're reflecting on those things, that never happens. You're just going through life. And I wrote down this little statement. And it says, any excuse other than the truth prevents us from dealing with our own stuff. And that's where I've been. And I can say it for the last 47 years. <laughs> that's where I've been. And I include my whole entire life because my life, I am right now, is the sum total of the experiences that I've had in my life. And I have to stop and reflect on each one of them and ask myself, how have they affected your decisions right. up until this point? And, and until we do that, only then can you move forward. And I appreciate for you for giving me this opportunity, this space for being able to do this, the self-reflection, to be able to 
figure those things out for me. It's, mm-hmm. it's been a, a beautiful experience and I've, I've brought my tribe along with me along the way too. So. Oh, I love that. And I love that phrase. It's so, I can tell you are a reader. You are so eloquent in how you speak and the way you describe things. And it's so interesting. You know, again, I think you hit on something really big again, which is talking about your daughters and how you were a mother your entire, you've been in a mother your entire adult life, and now they're grown and thriving. But I think that's so fascinating of, you know, I really admire your willingness to claim that you use them as an excuse in a lot of ways to kind of stay safe, right? Making them a priority is honorable, but doing it at your own expense and your own discovery and what your needs were. And the motivation for that was more fear-driven as opposed to, you know, anything else. And I, I think that's really admirable that you're, you can look at that and see it for what it is. And then we're getting to see you on the other side of it, which is your, you, you know, you've kind of made an adjustment now because you realize that's no way to live life. <laughs> There's too much out there for you. It is. It is. Um, and you touched on it in your pocket. I mean, that 25 minutes is very, very powerful. And there was a piece that you mentioned about being intentional when you're in your sabbatical, in your space. And there was a part you talked about your children. Mm-hmm. Are you allowing them, you know, keep them in a routine? Are you allowing them to stay home? Are you feeling guilty about it? And so many times there were things that I wanted to do. But I allowed that guilt of, well, if you did this for you, you'd be taken away from your girls. And mm. once you tell yourself that enough, then you start to believe it. But I also know that it's a, it's a difficult road to move from that space. And I know the difficult road also leads to beautiful destinations. And so that is what my future is going to be, the beautiful destination. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that. I really do. And it shows the power of our mind, right? Because, you know, to your point that when you tell yourself something, some, when you tell yourself a story enough, you believe it. And now you're telling yourself a different story, right? And this belief of like difficult things lead to beautiful things. And I think that's, I, I, mindset is so powerful. And I, I love this one that you've adopted. Let's go back to, I want to talk about your amazing friend, mentor, tribe member for life in Hope Lynch. So how did you and Hope get connected? She hired me at my first job, my first job in my career field. And I will tell you, I was not the first choice. I interviewed for the job. I received the notice the day I was leaving to go on a birthday trip to New York that I was not chosen for the position. And I remember standing in my mom's living room and I said, she said, what's that? I said, oh, nothing. I folded it up, stuck it up under the pillow, got on the van, headed to New York. When I returned, I received a phone call from her. And she said, hey, I number one doesn't want it or can't come, something to that effect. I think before she get the question out, I was like, yes, because she was the first person outside of me when I graduated that looked like me. And representation matters. And she had a storied career. She was an amazing individual. And she's not the only person in my tribe that has just had a, a great influence on me. When you gave your webinar, you talked about three, three people, your sponsor, your coaches, and mentors. And so she is, at some point in time, has been all three for me. Mm-hmm. But then I have a mentor, Dr. Christine Fitch. She's been my mentor through my past couple of jobs with interviewing, with just pep talks, with helped me to discern the pros and cons of things. And my tribe have different, have been in different places at different points of my life. I've also had 
individuals who um, have been part of my tribe that when I'm not in the room, they speak my name. Mm. And that's important. You have to have those members who mention your name when you're not in the room. And she's done, and Hope has done that for me as well. She has truly been started out as a boss and a co-worker. And she now she's a forever friend. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. Right before you're going on your this big trip for your birthday and you get a rejection letter. Yes. Oh my gosh. And how long were you gone? Four days. Oh my gosh. So for four days. So kind of had to like, did you just put it on pause? Like, I mean, did you just kind of tune it out for the four days and we're like, I'll deal with that when I get back? Yeah. I, can't imagine. I, I, I just, because I, <laughs> I remember going to the job, going into the bathroom. I got there early. You know, you listen to all these podcasts and people tell you what to do, how you need to dress. And right. I got there early. I had gone in the bathroom and said my little prayer, my little mantra, my, did my little affirmations. And I walked in the room and sat down. And I left out of there confident. And then I get this projection letter. and. I had to ask myself, are you going to let this ruin the next couple of days? Or is this going to be one of your no's that ultimately gets you to your yes? And that's what it was. It hasn't always been no since then, but I've had enough yeses to get me to here. And every day that I'm here is a day for me to do better again, power of your mindset. That's incredible. That's incredible. Cause I think, again, I know, I, I know anyone can connect to that. I, I think everyone's been rejected from something, but how neat that again, clearly was where you were meant to be because you got the call when you came back. And so you got to enjoy a birthday weekend and then great news when you returned, you know, something that we talked about, uh, and I feel like we haven't really touched on the incredible career that you have had in IT. Right. You've done amazing things. And I want to make sure, you know, one, anyone listening, like, you know, go cyber stock Tabitha. You can go check out her profile. She's incredible. But, you know, you have, once you got in, you received multiple promotions in your time, especially at Nash, like that really seemed to be a place you took off. And I know something really interesting happened because I, I think this is, I'd love to talk about this a little bit because I've started seeing this play out a little bit more in the workplace, which is you can kind of get to a point of career success. And you found this at Nash where you'd gotten promotions, but the department leaders kept being brought in from the outside. And, you know, you felt very equipped, very confident. You knew, knew things very well. You even had now achieved, you got your master's in organizational leadership. Like you, there was all these things, but the position of director had opened up multiple times and no one internal was hired. And so I'm really curious to hear, you know, maybe if we could, let's talk about this for a minute, because again, I think this is something that I see playing out more and more where the choice to bring in someone from the outside versus grow someone from within. And would love to hear how you navigated this experience, not once, not twice, but three times while you were at Nash County. So you are correct. While I was at Nash, there were several either internal reorgs or promotion that took place. The position of IT director opened up three times. All of the candidates that were hired were from the outside. Now, I considered applying, but I never did. But I watched one of my peers who was just as qualified as I was put in the work, apply for the position, and was never considered. I worked in Nash County for 11 and a half years, um, and the IT director position came open at Edgecombe County. And I encouraged one of my coworkers to apply for it, and she was like, oh, no, I'm not interested. So I looked at the short history, um, the short description of the job, and I said, I can do this myself. And so I applied. I can do this. <laughs> so I applied. Um, it seems like uh, major moments in my life always happen around 
disasters that are happening too because Edgecombe County had their 100 year flood in 2016 and Princeville was flooded for the second time in 10 years. And there I was applying for a job and I got it. But it was, it was, it was different. And I knew walking in the door that there was a difference. During my interview, one of the questions that I had been asked was, how would you handle if you found out one of your staff had applied for the position? So immediately I knew that I was kind of walking into not necessarily a toxic environment, but at the time, but a hostile. And to not only be an outsider, but the first person of color to work into the in the department and to come in in a leadership position was uh, those dynamics were shaped my next four and a half years as the department head there. Luckily for me, I, I wasn't there internally. I came in from the outside. I came in from an organization that had already progressed to the point of where I felt as though Edgecombe County needed to be. So I had some vision of the direction that I wanted to take the department. The work then began to move people from siloed mindsets to getting on board with the vision and trusting me enough with the department to say, I'm going to follow you. How did you do that? I mean, this is such a great example because, again, anybody who aspires to be in leadership, who has made this transition, knows that coming in, and especially in this case, coming into a place where others wanted the job, you had been in that situation, so you knew what that could be like. How did you win their trust? Communication. A lot of what I realized is that there was no talking going on at all. People just came and went as they wanted to. There was no communication internally. So it was that process of talking with them, getting to know what they wanted to do, what their strengths and weaknesses were. When they came in on Mondays, how was your weekend? Just like you did me when I came on this morning. Did you have a good weekend? Learning about their family. I have a service background, it's in my blood. So, um, and my degree in organizational leadership that I obtained while I was at Nash County, I got it from Grand Canyon University and it's in through the Ken Blanchett School of Business. And anybody that has read anything from Ken Blanchett knows that he is the biggest servant leader at heart. So that's what I've learned. That's what I've been trained to do. And that was my job, is to move any obstacles out of their way, make sure that they had the tools and resources that they needed to do their job. And if they're already in the department, that means that at some point in time, someone thought that they were good enough to be in that department. So my goal wasn't, my job wasn't to come in and micromanage them. It was to recognize that I had good employees and to just move out of their way. And I would like to think that I've done that over the last four and a half years. Then as though the department has grown and not only the department, but the budget, we've been able to push out some amazing projects and for us to be such a small team. And, and I think that goes to show that when you are, it's not just about being a manager, it's about being a leader. And as a leader, sometimes you have to lead from the back. You have to move out of the way and let your team move forward. And you just move everything out of their way so they can do the work. Gosh, I love I love all of that so much. I'm grinning from ear to ear because what's really neat is what you described and then what were the kind of the measurements of the success, right? Like the projects that you were able to accomplish, the team was able to grow. The budget was able to grow, which 
that says a lot about, especially in government, like that is not easy to do. And so to be able to get that sign off is huge. But I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense why your team really started to come together and why it performed as a unit, because getting to know them as human beings, mm-hmm. understanding and leading them as whole people, understanding what they did really well and what they were passionate about and how to align them with those types of things in their day-to-day. I mean, that's, that's absolutely brilliant and kind of meeting them where they were at from the beginning. That's really incredible. I wanted, I know we're getting close on time here. So I, I probably got only got a few questions left, but one of the things that just keeps coming back that I have to ask you about, this is so, I'm very intrigued. So you went for this director role, but you said you never went for the other one at Nash County. And what I'm really fascinated by is the why here, because you never considered yourself, I don't know if it was that you didn't consider yourself eligible, but you never went for the job at Nash County, but you you did for this one. Was there any reason you, you didn't go for the one at Nash County? So my little, we called ourselves the data beavers. It was four of us at Nash County. <laughs> Yeah, we, 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 hey, we were four bad women and we could get anything done together. Amazing. I love it. (laughs) And so we had a, there was a health education specialist that worked in HR Um, one day when we were having a, um, a function outside in the parking lot. It was like a, a countywide function, and he named us the Data Divas. So that's what we called it. To this day, <laughs> we still call each other the Data Divas, even though everybody works at different jobs. And I saw one of my peers at the time, and she applied for the job. And not to say that she was any more qualified than me, but I, I saw the work, the heart, Everything that she did to apply and only to be rejected. Mm-hmm. And then for her to stand up with so much grace and poise. And when the new director was hired to, to train them on the work that she was already doing and able to do. That was a rejection that I was ready for. And it, it really hurt me to see her experience there. And it was around that time when I made the decision that if I'm going to do something of that magnitude, it's not going to happen here. I'm going to have to go somewhere else to do right. it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense of watching, watching somebody that was a close friend appear and watching, kind of watching them go through that. Gosh, and having to train the person to do the job that you were already doing. That's, that is not easy. And I, in thinking about environments, you know, this is something that I think is really important for people listening is that it's really, again, right. The story we want to tell ourselves about what's happening. And as women, we, we love to, we love to serve. We love to be needed and valued. And we are really good at staying too long when we aren't seen for our full value. And so I I think what's really powerful here is paying attention to what's happening around you. And in this case, you were, it was very clear that while your work was more than happily received, it was not valued in the, you as individuals are not valued in the way that you should be valued. And that if you ever had aspirations of moving forward, it wasn't going to be here. And that could be hard because that means you have to change. Right. And that's not always an easy reality. And so I think if you're listening, you know, like, again, paying attention to what's happening around you, this one was very blunt and obvious and they aren't always, but that sometimes, you know, if you want to grow, it means you have to, to go, you can't stay where you are because the circumstances, no matter how amazing you are, no matter how hard you'll work, it's not, it's not going to happen. And again, it's not a reflection on you as the person. It's just the reality of the situation. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, Tabitha, I, I just feel, I feel so alive through this conversation and I, and I'm kind of glad, I know we didn't really talk a ton about, 
your career, but that's not always what the podcast is about. And I am so grateful for all the parts of your life that you shared with us. I always ask one final question, which is as you think back on your, your career, you can answer this question one of two ways. You can either answer it as the thing that you've learned throughout your career, that if you could go back and tell your younger self starting out, you would tell her, or you could answer it with the best piece of advice somebody has given you that has served you in your career, either one, but what's, what's kind of one thing you want to share with the listener that they can take away? I received this quote from someone in my tribe a couple of days ago. I'm not a book because I remember it. Never take advice on your journey or about moving in a direction for people who've never left home. And there is a power and a beauty in seeing what you can become. So don't limit yourself. Thinking on my younger self, I would have told her, they're going to come some things. Things are going to come up in your life. Some of them are going to be in your control and some of them are going to be out of your control. But to continue moving forward because greater things are ahead for you. And there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And that each chapter of your life gets better. You're going to have some, some obstacles, but to just to continue to move forward. And it's going to be beautiful. You're going to cry. You're going to have some struggles, but it's going to be beautiful. And that's how I feel, not just about my, my career, but my life in, in general. I have not achieved all the dreams that I've, I've aspired to, to achieve. And I've held that over my head for so long. But I know that every day that God gives me breath is a day that I can move forward in the direction of those dreams. Hmm. So I press on and I encourage everyone else to do the same. Like life is, is beautiful. It's amazing. It doesn't matter what is going on in the world. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Take it for what it is and, and enjoy. You only hit one. You've got to be good to the person that's on this journey with you. And that is yourself. Oh, I love, I love that. And I, you know, I think if I can, piggyback a little bit. I think one of the thing, one of the reasons, you know, you talk about good things will come through difficult. You said this very early on in the conversation that, you know, when you're kind of a steward of something that you, you take very good care of it. And so I think that says, again, that's, that's a big part of navigating through these hardships is, you know, when you are able to kind of show up as the best of what you can give at that point in time, and that's when, that's when good things can happen. You know, when you focus on, I'm, I'm here in this moment, I'm going to do the best that I can for now. And then, you know, that's, that's kind of when things continue to move in a, in a direction that eventually you can get to the better, brighter place that we want for. And I can't wait. Cause at some point I'm going to start doing a, where are they now segment? <laughs> to the podcast and kind of these touch back in with all these amazing women I've got to talk to. And boy, oh boy, Tabitha, I can't <laughs> wait for, for when you and I get to do yours. Cause I can only imagine when we fast forward a year from now to say, where is Tabitha now? I'm just can't wait to hear what that's going to be. I'm sure it's going to be incredible, but I'm I just, excited. I'm so excited. This has been an unbelievable treat. I, I said it already, but I just feel so alive from having this conversation and getting to hear from you. And I know so many others listening will have felt that as well. So thank you for, for being here, for sharing. Uh, and thank for being you for having me. I really appreciate it. It is always so fun when podcasts take a direction you don't expect them to go. I felt so energized by this conversation and as i listened back to it i was reminded just how many beautiful pearls of wisdom tabitha shared with all of us on that episode if you felt the same way you enjoyed the episode tabitha impacted you in some way 
I strongly encourage you to reach out and let her know. I've linked her LinkedIn profile for you here so that you can easily connect with her. You can also leave a review for Rising Tide on your podcast provider. Thank you for everyone who has already done that. It means the world. And I hope that this has just been another great episode that helps you as you continue on your journey and your pursuit of being the best version of you. I hope you all are having a great week. Until next time, keep rising.